Welcome back. It's time once again to grab your board. We're going to swim out into the sea of ideas. See if we can't catch a sales pipeline as it starts to curl up over the horizon with our friend, Mr. Matt Hines. All right. Well, welcome, everybody, to another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. Thanks so much for joining us, as always. If you're joining us live today on the Funnel Media Radio Network, thank you for making us a part of your workday. Very humbled to have you join us here. If you are joining us on the podcast, thank you for joining us as well. We are well over 100,000 listeners now. You can find us anywhere. Fine podcasts are available, iTunes Store, Google Play, Stitcher, etc. And every episode of Sales Pipeline Radio is always available past, present, and future on salespipelineradio.com. Each week, we are featuring some of the best and brightest minds in B2B sales and marketing. Today is absolutely no different. Very excited to have with us Mark Dardone. He's the Executive Vice President at Pan Communications, and we've been doing some work with them recently on some content research. So excited to talk about that. But Mark, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. Look forward to a good discussion here. It's not very often, Mark, that we see people that are at the same company for 20 plus years, but you're coming up on 25 years at Pan Communications. That's a long time. Congrats. That's a long time, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks. I appreciate that. When you're in an organization, as long as I've been here, you know, you got to kind of strive to keep changing and evolving what you're working on, what you want to work on, look at those challenges and tackle them. And yeah, I've been fortunate enough working in the business with my brother for 25 years to kind of look differently at what I'm kind of living and breathing here at the agency and kind of just, you know, mix things up a little bit. It keeps you fresh and keeps you energized. So had a good run. One of my first jobs out of school, I was an intern and a a junior person at a PR agency. And, um, you know, I'm not, I'm doing much more pipeline marketing and not doing as much Marcom these days. But even though I'm not as immersed in that as you clearly are, even since the time I was doing this a while ago, the PR world has changed dramatically. Can you talk a little bit about some of the sort of the key themes that you've seen change in PR and in marketing communications, especially for B2B both from the time you started doing this 25 years ago, as well as just over the last five to 10 years. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, you know, I, I always kind of talk about the evolution of the industry in general. Five or six years ago, as you're well aware of, we saw the fact that the marketer was going to be faced a little bit more with trying to knock down the silos and trying to get their teams to integrate and engage more often and frequently and collaborate on campaigns and demand gen activities and content and everything else that they're working on consistently. And at the time, we were a pure play PR agency. And we started to kind of layer in social, of course, because that was becoming really, really important. So at the core of everything we do is earned. But content marketing started to rear its head a little bit more aggressively around that time frame. We knew that the marketer was going to be faced with this challenge of skill set internally. Do they have the time frame? Do they have the headcount to kind of look at silos dropping and bringing these teams collectively? And if they don't, will there be an opportunity for agencies to come in in an outsourced model and handle that level of activity for a period of time? At the time, Gartner had mentioned that that period of time may be a year, maybe 18 months. And so when you go back five or six years, we started the integrated marketing and PR move from the agency being pure play PR into more of a well-rounded integrated marketing and PR agency. And so that ricochet never took place. Marketers started to rely on the agencies and teams more often for channel optimization across social. How do you move content across all these cool channels? How do you layer paid into that effort? What does analytics look like wrapped around that? And of course, everything that's been true to what we've been doing since the day we started is how do you tell captivating and compelling stories? 
we started to build this agency a little bit differently. And we looked at it from the lens of we got to support the marketer with their pain point of maybe a skill set shortage a while ago. And how do we fill the void of that with regards to them being able to lean on an agency a little bit more aggressively? That never ricocheted back. They still today may be building out a different department and team, but they definitely still integrate and lean on an agency where it's more of a collaborative, unified effort. We may handle some social, they may have a social team. We may handle some content, but we're reporting into a content marketer. We always are talking to a PR manager. We're really in sync with everything that's going on in PR. So you know what I mean? It was the integrated approach, not only from services, but from skill set and partnership is really, really alive and well right now. Talking on Sales Pipeline today with Mark Nardone. He's the Executive Vice President, 24 and a half year veteran at Pan Communications. And let's talk a little more about content marketing. We were we were honored. You guys came to us at the beginning of this year and asked us to partner on your annual content fitness report. And I've been following this for, with you guys for a while. You've done a fantastic job of making this a sort of real recurring sort of annuity brand uh, and part of Pan. Talk a little bit about sort of where that sort of where that came from and sort of what this year's content fitness report really focuses on. So the concept started six years ago, almost seven years ago, where we were talking a lot with marketers. They were significantly challenged back in the day, just even organized content, let alone how do you move the content? Just kind of how do you start the basis of a really good content marketing program? We started partnering more and more with them on the framework. And it came to the point where we're like, you know, it's time for, it's time for some surveys. We've worked with marketers like yourself, Matt, for years that we have a really good network of marketers and we like started to launch this, what we call the fitness test, then moved into the fitness report once we got the results. And it just became kind of clear that it was a good guide. It was a, a great area for our peers in the industry, in the marketing industry to kind of lean into and and look a little bit closer at the data and hopefully take some best practices from the data and put it into motion. Now, it brings us pretty much to this year around we had a great response working with you. We have some really great data that we could kind of glean from. A lot of our clients in general have used it and started to take some of those best practices. A lot of the prospects we talk to and, and some of our colleagues in the industry that we talk to kind of rely on it a lot as they kind of look at that mid-year point in their calendar and say, ha, is there time for me to adjust and change based on some of what we're seeing in this survey and feedback from some of our colleagues in the market? And the answer to that is most likely yes. For anyone that's interested, you can get a copy of the 2019 Content Fitness Report. You go to pancommunications.com. You'll see a link to it right there. On the homepage, we'll have a link to that in the show notes for today's episode as well. And let's dig into some of the results of what we saw in this survey. There were some things that were, I think, you know, sort of resonated with what we've seen elsewhere. Things like, you know, when you ask people their top goals for content programs, a lot of respondents talked about brand awareness and thought leadership made sense. When we asked people what the number one priority for teams was in terms of brand advocacy and trust, customer experience came up. And I thought that was really interesting. There were a lot of different options people could choose, but the fact that customer experience bubbled to the top, I thought was encouraging. I did too. It's become evident over the last few years that there's no better trust and advocate than the customer experiences, um, solving pain points, helping to move them to be more loyal 
uh, customers along their journey? How do you move them into a word of mouth referral based opportunity for the brand? I think marketers and content marketers in general are seeing that as an untapped area for them to pull into their strategy a little bit more aggressively. We're seeing it quite honestly, Matt. And a lot of the clients and prospects we talk to just based on some of their requests for proposals and approaches of their number two or three activity they're looking for is how do you amplify the customer a little bit more around brand equity building exercises? And so it, it doesn't surprise me that the customer experience seems to be one of the number one areas, but it also supports thought leadership. It supports trust. It supports value, credibility, everything that may be at the top of the funnel. We'd want to try to kind of enhance a little bit more. That customer's voice needs to come through that a little bit stronger. When we asked people to tell us what was the number one deterrent in developing programs, uh, especially employee advocacy programs, and let's talk maybe a sort of a two-part question for you. You know, first of all, employee advocacy, how is this tied into content marketing? I think some people may sort of wonder about the, the, the connection. So I'm curious to get your definition of the connection there. But the number one deterrent was seen as lack of company motivation. And I wanted to have you unpack that piece as well. So two-part question for you. Yep, definitely lack of company motivation, in in our opinion, is top-down. If your executive team, if your leaders aren't actively engaging in the brand, in the content, have a strong voice, an opinion, a vision, or just in general active out there, then the employees necessarily aren't going to feel that spirit. So in our opinion, it starts with leadership really starting to tackle the challenges of, you know, putting out more of the message around the brand, the value prop, and actually supporting the story. But when you move over to the employee advocacy side, let's say that all of a sudden there's great participation from C-suite and leadership. So it's not only about how do you share that content, how do you become a really strong support in your brand advocacy effort as an employee? It's like find your tone, you know, find your lane. Don't feel like you just have to replicate everything that's going out. So we're trying to work with comm teams and brands in general about how do you start to look at leveraging the great platforms that are out there around employee advocacy and having your employees find their own voice, comfort level. And all of a sudden, that'll just fuel participation. And some of the simplest things you'd think would be taken care of, the sharing of it, the pace and sharing of it, that you don't have to flood the content, you know, waters out there. Like be smart, be personalized with the way you're leveraging as an employee, your company's content. And, and again, you'll start to see really a great groundswell of advocacy start to build all around the brand, not only around customer, not only around influencers, but definitely around employees. So, I mean, you, you hinted at this. I think we definitely, in some cases, we see an employee reticence to participate, maybe because they don't, they're not confident in their skills. They're not sure how to do it. They don't have the tools or the systems to make it a recurring habit. We also see still today, you know, plenty of companies that are I would say, afraid of having their employees actively participate that maybe don't trust their employees that are worried about brand consistency and message consistency coming from a smaller number of you know, approved slash trained spokespeople versus having that be something that is more broad. I mean, that's I certainly saw that, you know, in the PR world where you say, you know, no one's talking to the press except for these two people that have been media trained and they know our messaging, right? And where now we have an opportunity where like, no, we want everybody to write blog posts. We want everyone to be on social. We want to create this community groundswell. Very different way of thinking about things. Yet I think there are plenty of companies that are still worried about opening Pandora's box. Missed opportunity. Missed opportunity to really take your brand to another level. This generation that's in the workforce today grew up on these networks and channels. So how do you work collectively as a brand 
to help them build trust, but also make sure that they feel part of the movement. And if you're not trying to kind of gather that employee spirit a little bit more behind that brand, are you going to miss a huge opportunity out there, Matt? You're going to miss an opportunity around talent acquisition. You know, if you look at the short labor market that's going, the, the labor market that's going on right now, best asset you should be leveraging is the voice of the employee. How do you look at the journey that an employee has taken in their career or they've expanded their skill set through really robust training and development that the brand put in place or that brands become a great best place to work? What a culture. You know, you can't just shout that from the top down. It's got to be everybody part of that. So I feel like that's an old school model. That's a missed opportunity for a brand today. It can be controlled and managed, but you got to let them speak in their voice a little bit more. Amen to that. And you think, you know, we trust these employees to have one-on-one conversations with prospects and customers when we're not listening. And yet we don't trust them to communicate their advocacy to the broader world when we are listening. Seems a little potentially hypocritical, but I digress. We're going to take a quick break, pay some bills. We'll be right back with more with Mark Nardone. We're going to talk more about the content fitness report. We're going to be talking about budgets, ROI, reporting, and where all this is going. We'll be right back on Sales Pipeline Radio. How are successful B2B practitioners using ABM to drive more reliable revenue for their business? How are these modern marketers adopting new tactics, overcoming obstacles, and achieving their goals? Read the new research report from Flip My Funnel and Heinz Marketing on the 2018 State of Account-Based Marketing and discover what's changed, what stayed the same, and where ABM is heading in the future. Visit HeinzMarketing.com's resource section. That's H-E-I-N-Z marketing.com and the resource tab for your free copy today. All right, welcome back. We are here on Sales Pipeline Radio today with Mark Nardone. He's the Executive Vice President at Pan Communications. Congratulations as well. You guys just made an acquisition. You are now an international, you probably were before, but you're now officially international office with the acquisition of a London PR firm. So congratulations on that. It's been fun, you know, just knowing you the last few years, Mark, and just watching the growth and success you guys have had. Very well deserved and fun to watch. But we're here to talk a little bit more about the 2019 Continent Fitness Report. We've been talking about it before the break. If you want to get a copy of this, make sure you go to pancommunications.com. There'll be a link there on the homepage. We'll have a link in the show notes for you to get a copy of this as well. We can talk about brand awareness and thought leadership and customer experience. And yeah, that's all good. But how do we measure that? And how do we know that all this investment, whether it's in money or whether it's just in time and resources internally, how do we know this is working? We had 69% of respondents from our survey said they are not confident in how well they're able to measure and even sort of define ROI from content programs. That seems like a problem. And it seems like a gap. We need need to bridge that gap. No question about it. I think the new models that are starting to take place where you're seeing the convergence of marketing and sales more aggressively, you talk often about it, Matt, with account-based marketing. In the old days, we used to call that a named account strategy. Those are some clear areas where you can see the impact of content flowing through a very targeted focused approach, whether it's segmentation through regions, through audiences, to brands. Hopefully, the sales team will definitely point to the value they're getting out of the style and tone of content that marketing is driving to them. So I think the onslaught of that new strategy that's kind of looking across sales and marketing helps clarify ROI a little bit more. But if you don't have an ABM strategy, there still is a massive gap 
in how to feel comfortable and measure the power of your content. And in essence, that's going to definitely impact your ability to gain more budget and kind of activity support as you look into your next few years. I mean, content is the core of everything that goes on around a brand. It's the storytelling. It's the engagement. I mean, there's so many things that content supports. And when you look at some of the data, I mean, it's almost like it kind of ricochets up and down. If you go back to 16, 2017, 2018, you look at percentages that there's almost 10 to 20% gap up and down. All that speaks to you and I saying is they're still not familiar or they're still unsure about how to measure this. I mean, the obvious things are going to be traffic patterns. Is your content driving to valued pages of the website? Are you seeing great message pull through and share a voice, share of impact in the analytics and measurement platforms that you have and that you're working with your teams on? Maybe sometimes you don't have to try to boil the ocean. Maybe you just focus on two or three really great KPIs so that you start to gain more confidence in your ability to measure the impact of your content. Because sometimes as marketers, we try to do too many things and maybe measurement following that. So we're diluting the overall value of our content efforts by reaching across so many indicators rather than focusing on a few. It'd be really great if you get a little passion about this, Mark, uh, and just, uh, you know, bring a little more energy to the conversation. No, it's, um, I know you live and breathe this on a daily basis, and I agree with everything you're saying. I think that, um, you know, sometimes, you know, the, the metrics that are easiest to measure are the metrics that really matter the least, right? And I think that, you know, it can be quite elusive sometimes to get to the true ROI number. Like, okay, I wrote this blog post. What is it worth, right? Are we investing all this money in content? We're building thought leadership, but what is that worth? Um, right. We've been investing in these forever as marketers, right? I mean, you, when you hire a PR firm, when you spend money on brand, when you spend money on media training, I mean, you are investing in all of this as well. Sometimes I think, Mark, that there's a difference between precision and intent, right? It'd be great if we could precisely measure the impact of all of our content, but if we understand its role and if we can operationalize making decisions and prioritizing work internally based on achieving those objectives, I think that in and of itself helps point you in the right direction, helps deliver the right results, and gives your organization, including your CFO, confidence that they understand why you're prioritizing what you are. Yes, absolutely. And Matt, I think it starts with kind of unifying your teams a little bit more. If PR in general, if we use this example, if PR and social is siloed from anything that's going on with demand yet, don't you think those teams need to be unified so that they're seeing the efforts supported on campaigns? across all different marketing activities so that at the end of the quarter or the end of the month or the end of the year, you're able to show your C-suite the impact that a campaign made across all of these skill sets and functions. And today, believe it or not, Matt, that's still broken. Well, it is broken. Solving a lot of this isn't just based on people say they need more budgets, they need more time, they need expanded skill sets to make content work more effectively. I mean, some of this also speaks to the cultural change that needs to happen inside some organizations, which is not going to happen in a 30-minute meeting. It's not going to happen in a budget cycle. Talk a little bit about sort of the the customers you see most. I mean, I don't hate to use the word enlightened, but at least the most progressive in terms of thinking about this. What are the cultural elements that exist internally that they have in common? What are the attributes of the way the organization operates and thinks about content and about thought leadership that makes them most successful at doing this. I'm going to go back to maybe one of the things that I just mentioned earlier, unifying teams, looking at them as a whole rather than as pieces, bringing them together for ideation, campaign setting, program activation, attribution of those programs. And hey, attribution doesn't necessarily need to be finger pointing that, oh, my campaign attributed to this versus this and revenue. And I mean, it just means work together as a team 
share in your successes and help fix the challenges you're faced with. And we're, we have the luxury of fixing those challenges in real time, like never before. We can see a campaign may not be performing the way it should be across PR, across social, across some of these other kind of channel activations. And we can start to kind of adjust the tone and personalization of that going out to market. So it's no better time than in the moment to try to kind of right ship some of those things. But I feel, Matt, that one of the things we measured in the CFR was skill set. The dynamics and the change that the department, the marketing teams are starting to take shape on moving forward, like, you know, identifying somebody that's just responsible for influencer marketing, whether it's paid, organic, whatever it happens to be, that's what they're responsible for. Having that person work closely with the head of content marketing and how do you bring the influencer's voice in a content marketing strategy? Now, how do you then take that content and move that across PR and social? Different forms, different tones, different channels, different trades, business press. I mean, you can kind of see. I mentioned unifying early on, how that all comes together around storytelling. The more modern enterprises and departments that we're working with clearly see that. The traditional ones still have a hard time shaping to that direction. Just for a couple more minutes here as we wrap up with Mark Nardone talking a lot today about the content fitness report that uh, Pan Communications Heinz Marketing worked on earlier this year. We'll make sure you can get a copy of that uh, in the show notes and check it out at pancommunication.com. Mark, I know that you are also a lifelong student and are continually sort of reading and learning on the content marketing front. Who are some of the people in the industry today that you spend the most time listening to that you might recommend other people that are looking to approve their content marketing game should go check out as well? Matt, I, I've, I've been following you for a while. I, I, I think the content you produce is exceptional. That was not a plant, you know, I promise. We're on a, we're on. <laughs> no, anyway, I've been you and I have been kind of collaborating and following each other for a while. I mean, Anne, obviously, at Marketing Props is one of the go-tos. I, I kind of appreciate her direction and her strategy and her approach, her approach. Brian Solis, another one. I guess it, it depends on the discipline that we're talking about here, but I like a lot Michael Brenner. I mean, just really good sound advice coming from probably the three or four that I just mentioned. You know, they don't try to oversell. It's more of a guide, more of a knowledge sharing approach. That's what I kind of like, like I'm sure you do. I've been following them for years. They continue to challenge us as marketers and, and improve the way at which we kind of uh, talk to our clients and our prospects about things. Well, uh, we are out of time today, but I want to thank our guest on Sales Pipeline Radio, Mark Nardoni. We will make sure that we have links to get a copy of the Content Fitness Report summary in the show notes as well as in uh, the replay of this episode that we'll have up on salespipelineradio.com here in a couple of days. And we'll have a transcript of this conversation available on HeinzMarketing.com in a little over a week. On behalf of my great producer, Paul, this is Matt Heinz. Thanks for joining us on another episode. We'll see you next week on Sales Pipeline Radio. Mm-hmm.